Today on the show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Brenda Annan from Belly's Birth Beyond. Having been a birth worker for over 15 years, there's definitely been many shifts in the medical establishment and none for the benefit of women and babies the system says they care about. Starting out as a doula and moving into midwifery, she found herself disliking the system that much more, so she pivoted to support women the way they want, in the power they deserve to birth outside the system. She says, I don't serve anyone but God and the women that hire me. She describes her role as building up the family unit throughout the entire time she's with them and to leave a lasting relationship for a lifetime. Let's get into the conversation. Please enjoy. We believe in growth and continuous learning. We believe in educating and sharing knowledge. We believe the body is miraculous and is able to heal with the proper nutrition and support. And we believe the right mindset is key to your success. I'm Amanda Golightly. And I'm Kate McDowell. And this is Limitless Health. Live well, naturally. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a friend of ours on here, Brenda Annan from Belly's Birth and Beyond. And we met Brenda a couple of months ago at the Holistic Healing Fair in Oakville, Ontario. And we heard a little bit of her story and we really wanted to share it with you because she has some fascinating information that I think you'll really enjoy. Thank you for joining us, first of all. It's wonderful no that problem. we finally were able to make this happen. I know you're really busy. Um, no but problem. I'm glad to be here. Do you want to get us started? Uh, yeah, totally. I, so I read a little bit uh, on your website as far as you have a personal story as to how you got into doing what you're doing. And I was wondering if you could tell us some more about that. Sure. Um, so I have seven children of my own. Um, my first was what started me on this path. Uh, I was very young. I was 17 when I got pregnant and 18 when I had her. Um, and I was taken advantage of because of my age. As I look back on it now, uh, I went to my 37 week appointment, which there's only 40 weeks in pregnancy. So you know, at the very end, I went to a female obstetrician, which was my comfort level being a young, young woman. And um, when she palpated my stomach, uh, she couldn't tell if baby was in a breech position or not. Um, so she sent me for an x-ray. Back in those days, she did x-rays. This was 29 years ago. <laughs> so so um, I begged the technician. I said, you know, just tell me if baby's breech. She said, oh, I can't tell you anything. But I I encouraged her to let me know. And she let me know that baby was not in breach. However, I got a panic call that night saying my baby was too big for me to have vaginally. I needed to have a C-section. And if I didn't, my baby was going to die. You know, wow. the, the fear, wow. fear attacks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got transferred to another obstetrician who I met the next day. Um, I asked for a bikini cut because I was young. And he said in his exact words, no, I cut this way and this way only. So I'm cut from my belly button um, and inched into my pubic hair. Um, I was put out. I was shaved. I was enemaed. And I didn't see my baby for almost eight hours. Wow. Because the nurses were too busy and my ex went out drinking. So for my second child, I decided I wanted to go a different route. Um, I had heard about VBACs, but... Again, back in those days, there weren't a whole lot of doctors that were comfortable with attending a VBAC because of all the quote unquote risks. You say VBAC? Uh, so vaginal birth after cesarean. Okay. Okay. Um, 
You can also hear HVAC, which is home birth after cesarean. Um, so I was able to find an obstetrician who was in a different town about 20 minutes away. I was able to have a vaginal birth and um, still wasn't happy with the way it went. So I searched out midwives. So number three um, through six are uh, were um, assisted by midwives. And then number seven was also uh, a cesarean because I had, um, I, I was considered high risk. I had placenta, I had marginal previa, which means your placenta is low down to the cervix. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to the Philippines and I started bleeding and I went into labor basically. Wow. So um, I had to come back and have another C-section. But anyways, um, with my the birth of my second one, I knew that that first ob obstetrician took advantage of me and horribly, I, I call it medical rape. Um, okay. I wasn't in control um, and what he did to me was wrong. So I confronted him on the street and I told him what he did to me was wrong. And I felt much better after that. Um, but that led me to wanting to advocate for women's rights in, in the birthing space, in the pregnancy space, um, because you're so vulnerable during your pregnancy and, you know, anything that they say could happen to your baby, you're like, oh my gosh, then I have to listen. Mm -hmm. So I started reading, I started researching and I kind of knew that I wanted to become a midwife. Um, but having children is it's hard to be in the birth space at the same time in North America. Um, our culture isn't set up to work with your children alongside you. Right. Um, so I kind of had to put it off. Um, but yeah, that's my story. So powerful. And so many women, it's true. Like fear is used to make people or encourage people to make decisions that they normally wouldn't. Which is I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even use the word encouraged. I would say coerced, right? Um, there's so much, and a new term in the last couple of years is fear-mongering, right? Mm -hmm. you, you use all these terms to, to force a woman into what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. not okay. No, no, I agree. Totally. You So you call yourself a birth keeper. Tell us what that means to you. So... Uh, there's a lot of different terms that you'll hear out there. So the most common one is traditional birth attendant. Mm -hmm. um, you'll hear radical birth keeper. You'll hear traditional birth companion. Um, and then there's some doulas that also practice as um, traditional birth attendants. I chose the word birth keeper because when you start looking at birth, um, from a physiological standpoint, it's a sacred space. It's a sacred space for the mother. It's a sacred space for the father being involved and then children and anyone else that's there. So I like to keep that, um, that space um, protected from any outside energies, um, any outside fears, uh, and that includes everybody. So when, when I'm meeting with um, families during the prenatal period, I'm building that relationship and I'm finding out who's going to be at the birth that way. Um, and I don't like the word 
use the word manage, but I like to manage people's um, fears, expectations prior to birth happening, Mm -hmm. because the last thing you want is someone's fear coming out and the mother can actually take that on and feel it. Mm -hmm. And that will interfere with her labor. It can actually go to the point of causing complications. And I'm trying to avoid all of that. Very cool. That's yeah, it's interesting. I like how it's similar to what we do. It's like a full body approach. It's a full plan. It's not just a day plan. Yeah. Setting them up for success in that setting up a plan, getting all the mindset stuff in order, as well as the physical stuff, I'm sure. And then I know you do some aftercare things as well. Yeah. So my approach, it when I started looking at um, how I was going to practice as an independent um, birth keeper, um, I started also looking at the world okay, and how things are. And in actuality, we can heal the world if we heal birth. We can heal families through the birth process. So most of the women, a lot of the women, I should say most, I should say a lot of the women that come to me wanting to birth outside the system have been traumatized in some mm-hmm. form or fashion. Okay. Could be with prior birth. It could also be from a uh, sexual assault. Okay. Mm-hmm. We know that one in three women are sexually assaulted at some point in their life. And then one in two women are traumatized by their birth experience. Okay. But in all of that, we also forget that the the father has also been traumatized watching their, their partner go through um, what they went through and then nobody addressed them. So what I try to do when I come in is try to work with them all, bring the father into more of a active role. And then when the birth happens, it's just amazing to see that um, reconnection, that healing happen and the family just blossoms really, really. That's really well described. And I, I can I could see from the the man's portion of it just being included how that would add to the value of the whole experience and being needed in in the way he can provide in that scenario or whoever that person is just to as you said just unite everybody together on the same goal and the same outcome that's really yes beautiful is the word that comes to mind that's really it is beautiful describe that yeah that kind of goes into a couple of things that you had on your website I just wanted to there's a couple of quotes I stole from there. And I love how you mentioned this one. God created us perfectly to bring our children into the world and nothing needs to interfere. Absolutely. I thought that was very well done. I mean, medicine has its place. So I'm not, I'm not going to negate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for like 98% of births, it goes perfectly without interference. And that's what physiological birth is, is okay. not interfering, not, um, And I guess that's where we should start. What is physiological birth? Um, Physiological birth is looking at the woman and how her body works um, synergistically together. Okay. That is, you know, the the multiple hormones that work together to make the labor happen um, and progress. Um, But when we look at labor, you're more in your, your hormones and your body. And when you start asking questions and saying, Hey, can you know, tell me how this is going? That's putting a woman into her thinking brain Mm -hmm. and that takes her out of her laboring mind. Okay. So physiological birth also means not doing vaginal exams. There's 
really absolutely no reason to do a vaginal exam. Um, in the hospital, they do them every three to four hours. Now, if someone's been assaulted in their past, that's just going to trigger them into their trauma. And that's just going to cut down labor or make it really long. And that's not what you want with the labor. If you can stay in your laboring mind, um, you it can, to the point, not even be painful, right? Um, physiological birth also includes um, like birthing of the placenta, right? No, no rushing, just letting the baby transition on its own time, leaving the cord attached. Um, even if baby needed a little bit of assistance, um, like just wait, watch and wait. Um, if baby does need assistance, you know, then you can still do that with baby attached, baby on or close to mother. Um, but the, the medical model is so panicked, so rush, rush, rush into absolutely everything. They don't even understand what physiological birth means. Hmm. Um, and then with the placenta, you, you're leaving it alone for it to come on its own, no pulling, you know, no Pitocin needed. Um, and what I find with physiological birth is women tend to bleed a lot less um, a postpartum if you just leave everything alone. It just reflects for me with the way society is. As you said, it's all go, go, go. You're on a timeline rather than allowing the body to just naturally do what it needs to in its own time. And yeah. Well, if you look at all every mammal, okay, cats, they go and hide in a dark place, you know, yeah. away from everybody. We're mammals. We're supposed to be doing the same thing. We're not supposed to be in bright lights with like six different strangers looking at you with your legs spread wide open. Yeah. Right. It should be the same environment as how you had the baby. Quiet, intimate, loving mm -hmm. <laughs> with everybody that, well, the people that you trust and want mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So true. I remember. So when we were at that event where we met you, I had a conversation with you about inducing because I knew someone who was induced for pregnancy and then it ended up being a C-section delivery. And you shared a little bit about that. Will you share with us what happens when that, when someone's induced? Well, let's go back to what triggers labor to start. Um, we, we now know that um, when babies in utero, they actually release a protein um, when their lungs are completely ready. Okay. That goes into the mother's bloodstream, which goes to her brain and triggers labor to start. When you're, and again, I'm going to preface this because there's going to be people that's, that have issues. Induction is there for medical reasons and, and should be used if there's a medical reason. Okay. Um, Preeclampsia, things like that. Um, however, when you go to induce someone, their body's not ready. Okay. So this is why we see sometimes inductions last three days because you got to go in and you got to do, you know, the prostaglandin gel, you have to go back 12 hours later and do another one. <clears throat> and then they start Pitocin and you're just trying to like basically force something into your body when it's not ready to do it on its own. And then you're not working with those hormones that I talked about mm -hmm. that make labor happen and keep going. Like you're just, medically or mechanically making it work and mm -hmm. your body's fighting against it. So when you induce somebody, um, 
we talk about the cascade of interventions. And so when you start with one intervention, it usually leads to another one. So an induction is more painful because you don't have the natural oxytocin and endorphins in your system to counteract the, the pain of the contraction. So then can't handle this pain. I need an epidural. You need get an epidural. Then it leads to, you know, a drop in your blood pressure. And then you need medication to counteract that. And then baby doesn't tolerate the amount of Pitocin. And then you end up in a C-section. So it's like, why interfere to begin with when God made it so perfect the way it is? Your body knows what to do. You're not going to be pregnant forever, right? <laughs> we're not, we're not elephants. We're not pregnant for two years. Thank goodness, because I couldn't handle that. Crazy. Um, but this whole um the medical model, again, it 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 forces things like um they'll do an ultrasound and they'll come up with some sort of you know fear tactic, your baby's not growing or there's not enough fluid or mm -hmm. um he can't go past 40, you know, 41 weeks before we have to induce. Like there's so many arbitrary things that they've mm -hmm. come up with, which make no absolute sense. Um, not everyone gestates the same amount of time because not every woman's cycle is the same amount of time. That's right. right? Yeah. Not everyone's 28 days. Myself, I was 40 days. So you, you can't, can't put everybody on a streamline just because you have this, you know, number. So with that as well, as far as the women who, the woman who is pregnant and going through this process, what, what does she, what power does she have? Does, can she say no to the practitioners? What in, input can she have into the process of what she's going through? Yeah. So it's going to be scary. Um, you know, being pregnant is a scary thing. You know, it's all unknowns. Um, but my my advice is you can absolutely say no to anything. If they push back, it's because they've never had somebody ask questions. But my my advice would be interview a couple different providers. You can interview some different OBs, you can interview some midwives, you can also interview some um, workers that are outside the system, mm -hmm. just see their different, um, approach to birth, mm -hmm. um, their different takes on, on things. So if you're going to an OB or a midwife, you want to ask like specific questions and there's a whole list that I can provide you guys to your audience. Um, but things like, you know, what's your C-section rate, what's your transfer rate, what's, mm -hmm. you know, those important things. Um, have you ever lost a baby? Have you ever lost a mother? Um, especially in today's day and age where um, women of color are more predominantly at risk. Mm -hmm. um, we know that uh, they need to find the right provider that's going to support them and make sure that they're well and their babies are well. Um, but when it comes to any test, any procedure, anything that you're not sure of first ask what are the risks what are the benefits what if we wait and it's okay to say no you're in charge it's your body okay um you don't even have to do anything if you don't want to um you may get as they say fired 
but you can find another provider. Find so, someone that aligns with you. So beyond the provider themselves, having someone who's like an advocate like yourself alongside the provider, would you suggest that in all cases or some cases? How would you, I guess that's probably up to the, the woman who's <laughs> pregnant ultimately. <laughs> yeah, so I don't work in conjunction with another person um, okay. because I work so hard to debunk and get rid of the fears that the women are being told each time they go in for a visit. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways a woman will go about it. Um, some women will have wild pregnancies and then just have a birth support. Okay. Wild pregnancy means not seeing anybody, just trusting their intuition and doing their own care for their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Then you have someone who hires me, um, that does the prenatal care. Um, and prenatal care is, isn't really the same as people think. Um, so it's more of like spend at least an hour with women and their families. And we just talk about life, how things are going, if there's any stresses, um, how their nutrition is. Nutrition is a huge key um, to having, and having a successful pregnancy uh, without complications at birth. Um, and then you know, if they want me to check baby, I will do palpation and we'll do um, heart tones, usually by fetoscope, because a lot of women that come to me um, don't even want the harms of the Doppler um, mm -hmm. on their fetus. Um, so, uh, and then I, uh, what's the question? They're going with that. Um, so, when they hire me and they still have a provider, they're coming to me each time I see them and saying, well, this provider said this. And, you know, so I'm having to talk them down again. Yeah. So we have this conversation about how, it, how is it benefiting you? Like, mm -hmm. how long do you want to keep that relationship going? And usually they just fire them and then they continue on with me and they have to get a first without the stress and, you know, coercion. However, it's always good um, to at least see someone, um, could be a nurse practitioner, could be an osteopath, could be literally anyone during your pregnancy, because having a baby outside the system, the government makes it much more difficult to get the paperwork if that's what you're choosing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so at least having that documented that you were pregnant, that you saw someone actually makes it a little bit easier later on, but it can be done either way. Hmm. Is there anything else that you think women should know or that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, there's so much to know. Um, if you're like, if you're even thinking about getting pregnant is when you should start researching. Um, we are so, um, tied to the medical system sometimes. Um, but birth is not a medical event. It's something that is beautiful and can be beautiful and can leave you with, um, this is what I say to people all the time. Birth shapes a woman for the rest of life as a woman, as a mother, and as a partner. Okay. You can either have a, um, traumatic experience and that can be with literally anybody. It can be with the TBA too. Yeah. Um, 
or you can have an amazing, beautiful healing experience um, with someone outside the system. Uh, your first, um, your first go-to is going to want to be, you know, researching birth and physiological birth and how everything works together, and then making a list of providers that you'd like to interview. Um, don't listen to your, you know, family and friends for your horror stories. Everybody has them, but that doesn't help you. Your story, your experience is going to be totally different. Um, you're not your mother. Um, you're not going to be her experiences. Um, and you just need to take it one step at a time. Always questions. Always. Don't just take something for face value, If it, even if it's a doctor. Okay. Um, if they ask you to do something, ask why. Always ask why. Um, and then your support team is huge. So mm -hmm. if you decide to birth in the hospital, hire a doula. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But again, hire different doulas. They have different, you know, skills, mm -hmm. experience mm -hmm. um, that they bring to the table or they don't. The same with birth workers outside the system. Um, and then make sure everybody knows what you want. You're in charge. Okay, no one else, no doctors, no partners, no mother-in-laws, nobody but you. Okay. And if that means you don't tell anybody your your plans, then it gives you less stress. So perfect. I agree with that. You start telling people what you're doing, and all of a sudden <laughs> opinions are start flying yeah. at you. No, you should try this and do this and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Don't tell people and like push your like guest date like two weeks after it actually is or a month after, you know, that way people aren't bugging you about yeah. induction and all that stuff. Talk about it later after it's happened. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I noticed a couple of the services that you offered as well. I thought maybe you could kind of dive into a couple of them. I've I've worked with people in the past who I've just I talked to about their their wives have had this experience and how there's basically, as you said, there's been a lot of trauma around it and, and, and people aren't able to kind of talk through that with someone like yourself. You actually have a birth story debrief, which you've mentioned to us, I think at the show we met as well. And I think that was something, I think it is something that's very valuable. Can you tell, tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So, um, I've become, uh, through the last couple of years, a lot of stuff has come up. Um, and I've decided to expand my services. Um, but trauma is, is something that you hold on to. So personally, I've had my entire life has been trauma. So I know what it feels like to hold on to stuff. Mm -hmm. And hearing that we're down to one in two women are traumatized by their birth experience um, and a C-section rate of almost 50% which wow. means women are leaving with trauma um, and not, okay. Not everyone's going to have trauma from a C-section, <laughs> but um, when you're feeling out of control, when you don't feel like you have the control, that's when you feel trauma. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's so sad because postpartum women are just left to figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that can lead, well, studies show that a lack of support is, is contributing to postpartum depression, mm -hmm. um, but so is trauma. 
So I felt this calling and this need to add in that service for women to be able to just debrief their, their story with someone who knows, you know, the, the jargon that they're talking about or the experience that they went through, because, you know, I've had pretty much every experience with my own children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done the whole NICU a couple of times too. Mm-hmm. Women need that outlet. And I'm not a therapist. I'm not claiming to be a therapist. I'm just giving a woman, I'm giving women an outlet to be able to talk about their birth experience um, where they might not want to put that on their partner. They, you know, they're scared to talk to their, their provider um, because they're just going to dumb it down. And Mm -hmm. it's not fair to the woman to not be able to talk about how she's feeling. Right. She, she needs to get that out. Like for me, I held on to my first C-section. I still have some animosity, but it's been 29 years. Right. And I can literally go back to those feelings. And that that's what I'm trying to help women avoid to begin with. I think that's amazing just because a lot of the times where we can be told we're crazy or dismissed by the medical model and just not acknowledged. So to have someone holding space for women just to listen is so needed. So yeah. needed. So I think that's just amazing that you have that available for people who need it. Yeah. And the other um the other service that I just added um just this year is the early loss support. Mm-hmm. Um we know that loss is up over 300%. Um, miscarriage, stillbirth. Um, so I decided to add that. So if a woman needed some support through an early loss, whether it's currently happening or has happened in the past, it could have been 30 years ago and they still want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that as well. And then um, bereavement photography is what I mean, what I was in the process of adding. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not sure what's going to happen with the hospitals over the next couple months. Yeah. Um, but I am gathering the tools and the supplies I need to be able to go in and offer a photo shoot for free. Mm-hmm. for families that have had a loss um could be at home too if a woman has had a loss i could come take some photos if that's what they choose uh one other thing that i noticed as far as your services was the placenta encapsula- encapsulation yeah and i this i found it very neat because we deal with health and nutrition as well so just having something that can help the woman recover after the process and just because obviously it's a lot in the body it's a lot on every aspect, spirituality wise and everything. So just, can you tell us a bit about that as well? Sure. So, um, I, I offer a variety of services. So not every woman is into eating their placenta. Um, so for my personal clients, I offer just, um, if they're not going to encapsulate their placenta, uh, we talk about what their plan is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most women, um, are going to plant it with a a tree or a bush or something like that. So what I do is after I've examined the entire placenta, I will prepare seven raw cubes to put into the freezer and they can do fruit smoothies uh, for the first seven days. If a woman is wanting to encapsulate, what I do is I do the raw method. Um, I'm not a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, and I'm not um, 
I'm not wanting to interfere with different energies. And when you do the TCM method, you're adding herbs and mm-hmm. which can actually interfere with a woman's body. Yep. And uh, so I do the raw method. Um, the amount of capsules that they get is going to depend on the size of their placenta. Um, but placenta encapsulation can be beneficial um, with mood stabilization, mood stabilization um, because on day five, their hormones drop down to try to get mm-hmm. back to a pre-pregnancy um, state. So it can help ease that off. It can also help with um, moods and postpartum depression. Um, it can help with milk production. But a caveat to that is it could do the opposite for some women. So you kind of just have to go slow and try it out. And if it's not helping you, then you just stop. Um, you can actually freeze them. Um, you can freeze them for a long period. Actually, you could save them for when you hit menopause if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So there's different options. Um, but I do have to give that, you know, warning is it may not be this miracle drug. It may do the opposite because your body's trying to naturally do its thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my my opinion, it works pretty good. Interesting. We both grew up with animals that like Amanda, you had a home cat, my cat who had a birth at home. Sorry. I did. Yes. So I got to watch that. Basically, as you said, she did hide away. She did go somewhere dark had the most of the kittens and then uh was eating the placenta afterwards so it was just yeah interesting to tie that in i'm sure you're going yeah right. so i mean you have we have to make the correlation and and more people are starting to do that we're mammals we mm-hmm. we should be doing the same thing that mammals do mammals don't birth on their back <laughs> in a hospital bed right even if you're in a hospital don't lay on your back it's the worst thing you could do for your pelvis um and then the placenta is like, it's the first thing I use postpartum for bleeding. Like everything we have for everything is in our body. For a reason. Breasts, our breasts are made to feed our baby. Our placenta is made to not only nourish our baby, but also to help with postpartum bleeding. Like it's just perfect the way, the way it is. So fascinating. Um, so if our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? I know you shared the link to your Instagram and your website and your Facebook, which we'll share in the show notes as well. But what other options or what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? They can send me a message through my website and they can also send me a message through either of my socials. Um, I usually like to do um, Zoom calls, initial Zoom calls. Um, so I need to be able to schedule that into my, my life. Um, so if they can just reach out, I can book that with them. Um, but I also like to ask some questions um, initially to see if I'm the right fit for them and they're the right fit for me because I don't just take everybody. Um, we have to be able to mesh um, personality-wise, but also, you know, they have to know what I do and what I don't do. Mm -hmm. Right. And not everybody is, is open to that or willing to that, or they have to think about it. Um, but yeah, it's just an initial, you know, uh, the word consult. 
Yeah. Is that what you're looking for? Uh, yeah. I get uh, it's initial to see if I'm gonna book a Zoom. Yeah. Okay. Do you have spaces available or do you have a waiting list? Well, it all depends. I only take so many births a month. Um, mm -hmm. I am I am only one person. And so my catchment area is two hours. So I'll drive up to two hours, um, sometimes three based on the situation. So um, I take a lot of the difficult, quote unquote, difficult cases. Um, so you know, unusual C-section scars, breach, twins, mm -hmm. um, things like that. I'll travel a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. um, but I usually only take so many per month, depending on where they're at, where they are. Um, You're based out of Niagara area as well, I think you said? Yeah, I'm in the Niagara Peninsula, um, but I can travel up to two hours either side of the border. Um, but yeah, just kind of like first come, first serve. Um, you know, un unless unfortunately someone has a loss, I don't usually have openings. Um, but yeah, have them, people need to contact me as soon as they, they think they want to have a baby or have a baby with me. That way, um, they can book off that, that guest month. Um, yeah, cause I only take so many a month. It's important to know. So they could contact you before they're even pregnant? Yeah, so I have a little bit of um, an assistance that I can help with getting pregnant, but I also have a lot of connections um, in the birth community, in the TTC community, I'm trying to conceive. Um, so if I can't help them, um, or even if somebody isn't in my catchment area, please contact me, I can help you find someone who is. Awesome. Um, I have contacts all over North America. <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. Um, so I, I, I'm here to help women. Um, that's my main goal. If I can't help you, I'll find someone who can. Um, did I answer your question? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. <laughs> no, I think great. that was great. That was awesome. I love how you're just, I can feel the passion from you as far as wanting to help women and making their full experience of getting pregnant, being pregnant, and then having the child uh, a positive one and a beautiful one at that. So thank you very yeah. much for being on with us. We really appreciate you speaking with us and giving us some insight to your world and how you can help. Yeah, it was absolutely my pleasure. It's, it's so important that women find out that there's another option absolutely. Um, when they're stuck. I love it. Thank you so much again. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll make sure to have the contact information in the show notes if you want to reach out to Brenda and see how she can help you. So everyone have a great week and we'll see you. Well, we won't see you. We'll see, catch you on the next show.